Back again, Harry? I see that you, like so many before you, have discovered the delights of the mirror of Arisad. I trust by now you realize what it does. Let me give you a clue. The happiest man on earth would look into the mirror and see only himself, exactly as he is. So then it shows us what we want, whatever we want. Yes, and no. It shows us nothing more or less than the deepest and most desperate desires of our hearts. Now you, Harry, who have never known your family, you see them standing beside you. In psychology, the concept of projection is described as the process of displacing one's feelings onto something or someone else. For example, a person might feel insecure about an aspect of their behavior, but rather than admit it, that person would project that aspect onto someone else. These types of projections are usually at an unconscious level, with the person projecting not being aware of what they're actually doing. We all do this, especially when it comes to what we claim to value, and it doesn't just apply to people, but also to the art we like or dislike. On this episode of ARC, I'm going to go over how my own journey in self-introspection has helped me realize how my own values shape what I enjoy and what I detest. This is ARC. God bless television. To the movies, to good movies, to every possible kind. Make it so. Welcome to Earth. Stick around. No slices for white. Clever girl. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'm 37? Are you the key master? I'm Omar. Who the hell are you? Omar! Omar coming, yo! Omar, yo! Omar coming, yo! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Arts Review and Commentary. I'm your host, Omar Latiri, and thank you very much for listening. Please, Show your support for this show by visiting patreon.com slash arcreviews and consider becoming a patron. Patrons will get shoutouts, behind-the-scenes peeks at the production of this show, and more. Let's get started. And finally, the big one. Here are the nominees for Best Picture. Belfast, Laura Berwick, Kenneth Branagh, Becca Kuvasik, and Tamar Thomas Producers. On February 8, 2022, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences released its nominees for the 94th Annual Academy Awards, and as usual, everyone had their opinions. For me, it marked that time of the year when I begin prep for my annual Academy Awards show, where my good friend Jordan Rose and I make our picks for who will win and who should win. Since many of the movies and performances that are nominated for Oscars are usually shown in limited release at the end of the calendar year, chances are that I haven't seen many of the nominees. Then it's a cram session, and every year I end up feeling ambivalent about the whole process. Some films are amazing pieces of work, while others bore me. For those of you who don't know, I've rated and written reviews on almost every movie I've ever seen. 
These ratings and reviews can be found at letterbox.com slash arcreviews. These reviews are purposefully spoiler-free, and as such, they're more about capturing how I felt about the movie I watched rather than talking about specific plot points. I never make any direct recommendations as to whether or not anyone should see a movie, nor do I expect anyone to take what I write as anything other than my own opinion. I take these reviews rather seriously, not because I'm expecting feedback, but because I want to accurately summarize how I felt about the movie I watched. I'm realizing now how much that means to me. These reviews are a major part of what we call in today's jargon my lived experience. People's lived experiences are what help define an individual, and I'm no exception. For quite a lot of people, if their lived experiences are dismissed or challenged, it can cause some discomfort. So I'm afraid that if I write a negative review on something that other people mostly enjoyed, those other people may feel judged. What do you think, you're better than me? But in the end, this is actually an example of projection. I'm projecting my insecurities of being judged on someone else. That's not to say that it doesn't happen. I've written reviews that go against what other people experienced, and I've received backlash from that. One memorable exchange happened on Facebook when I gave a negative review of 2019's The Irishman. But lately, I've learned that anyone's negative feelings about a difference of opinion regarding a movie review is really their problem, not mine. That's not an MP, that's a YP. Your problem. But differences of opinion do occur, and they occur frequently, especially when it comes to the art we absorb. I like to think that I can separate real life from fantasy, but sometimes what is depicted in a movie is reflective of real life. When I sense that people are conflating the two, I respond in kind. But in order to fully understand that, it's important to explain what my core values are. Creativity joy, and most of all, understanding. He said he yelled at the top of his voice. That's good enough for me. Even if he heard something, he still couldn't have identified the voice with the yell roaring by. You're talking about a matter of seconds. Nobody can be that accurate. Well, I think testimony that could put a boy into the electric chair should be that accurate. When it comes to real life, I value accuracy a great deal. When it comes to evoking emotion the way art is supposed to, I am willing to sacrifice accuracy for creativity. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't cringe when inaccuracies are thrown about like they're the truth. I'm not talking about common artistic choices like having sound in space battle scenes. I'm usually talking about scientific or historical inaccuracies that are meant to be accepted as truth. For example, I cringe every time I hear that we only use 10% of our brain. That's not accurate. But... I still liked movies like Limitless or Lucy because of other aspects of their creativity. Or take the films of Aaron Sorkin. He plays fast and loose with facts in movies like The Social Network or Steve Jobs. But I still enjoyed them because the facts weren't necessarily the point of those movies. Sorkin wanted to create an engaging experience. When it comes to what I like to watch, I gravitate to what I feel hasn't been done before, whether it's a performance or a story or a filming technique or even a joke. 
But sometimes, even something that is very creative may not interest or excite me because it lacks another of my core values, joy. Key point for distinguishing items which spark joy from those which don't is to feel the item in your hands. Take each piece of clothing in your hand and see how your body responds. See if it sparks joy in you. Now, joy doesn't necessarily mean pleasure and happiness. Pleasure and happiness do play parts in how I experience joy, but it's a bit more than that. It's about overcoming pain and heartache to experience pleasure and happiness that joy can really be felt. Movies that revel in sadness or cynicism really irk me, and I've come to realize that it's because I feel they play to the worst aspects of humanity. When I see a character or group of characters overcome trials and tribulations and grow during that experience, I feel joy. I'm projecting my own desires of achievement onto these characters, and as it is with many who project, this is rooted in my own experiences as a child. I feel the giddy joy of a child when I see movies featuring people, especially children, accomplish great things. To be clear, I'm not talking about being childish, I'm talking about overcoming childishness. A movie like It Chapter 1 is an example of a movie I liked because I experienced joy when the kids of the Losers Club defeat the evil Pennywise. Now, you may be thinking, oh, so that means you prefer dark and gritty stuff over lighter things? Not exactly. You're so dark! The Ajena from the DC Universe! I love dubstep! Movies devoid of any type of lightheartedness aren't automatically better. When movies just show terrible people doing terrible things unironically, I get bored. We've seen many examples of that time and again, and these days, movies that only show that are usually just being cynical about human nature. I get bored because I believe that cynicism is a bit lazy. Pleasure without effort is childish, and cynicism without effort is adolescent. Both stem from laziness. I think movies like Meet the Spartans are childish. I think movies like Idiocracy are adolescent. Both types pretend to offer something that's quote-unquote mature, whether they be some mild profanity or a hot take on the human condition, but in the end, neither type actually accomplishes anything beyond that, because no real effort is made to go any deeper, and to me, True joy requires effort. However, I do get why some people like those types of movies, which brings me to my most important core value, understanding. You already know if I'm going to take it? Wouldn't be much of an oracle if I didn't. But if you already know, how can I make a choice? Because you didn't come here to make the choice. You've already made it. You're here to try to understand why you made it. In my opinion... The key to understanding is to accept that there are constants and there are exceptions to those constants. Understanding anything must first come from a firm foundation. When you learn a new language, you equate the new words with the words that you are already familiar with. To best understand another culture, 
you look at what is shared in that culture and then the differences can be appreciated. If you immediately look at something as defined by their differences, then it becomes impossible to find common ground and the chance to learn, grow, and connect vanishes. And that's where ignorance and prejudice enter. Left unchecked, that all leads to bigotry. I've spent my entire life navigating different cultures, customs, and languages. One of the first times I encountered ignorance was on the playground when I was in third grade. The ignorance wasn't directed at me, it was directed at the girls in our class, and it came from the boys who didn't want girls to play with us. Bros before hoes. Why? Because your bros are always there for you. Granted, many of the girls in my class felt the same way about the boys, but that didn't make me feel any less uncomfortable with the sentiment, and it's not something I personally accepted. You know my code. Hose before bros. Uteruses before deuteruses. Got it. Ovaries before broveries. Yet, as I grew older, the separation between the sexes began to define individual behavior. And it wasn't limited to different sexes. In high school, certain racial or ethnic groups held themselves separate from others, most notably black students and Korean students. I noticed that these separations created an exclusivity within each peer group, and that exclusivity bred tribalism. To me, it seemed like being part of an exclusive group meant that one had to adopt a certain interest to be in that group. In other words, superficial characteristics like skin color or national origin led to expected behaviors and tastes within the group. Anyone who didn't comply was seen as less than or other. It was this self-othering that bothered me. What bothered me wasn't that I might have been interested in what a particular group cared about. It's that it was impossible to know because of the exclusivity. In other words, here were people who understood each other. But not only did they not care to understand outsiders... They didn't care to let outsiders understand them. This isn't for your eyes. Just as the knowledge of the world should be available and understood by everyone, art forms should likewise be shared and practiced by anyone who is interested. One of the reasons that I enjoyed Star Trek, of all things, growing up, is that the stories were meant for everyone to enjoy, not a specific group of people. It was also my first experience in watching a meritocracy on a TV show. Conversely, one of the reasons that I never got into the films of Woody Allen was that they were usually about specific societies in Manhattan that I wasn't familiar with and therefore didn't understand. So, when it comes to enjoying art, and especially movies, my subconscious values are always being tested. Is what I'm watching creative? Is there any joy I'm experiencing? Does it understand the world it creates, the characters that populate it, and the audience? If something falters on meeting these values, that doesn't necessarily mean I won't enjoy it. But if I see something that syncs up with my values, I know I'm seeing something special. 
That's it for this episode of ARC. Thank you very much for listening. Please follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ARC Reviews and consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash ARC Reviews. Stay tuned for the ninth annual Arcademy Award show in a couple of weeks. My name is Omar Latiri, and this is ARC.